What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob, hanging out, talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, man. I am on staycation this week, so I'm pretty Sweet. happy. And high school football starts this Friday here in Ohio, so that is the first of the three-phase football kickoffs, high school and college, then pro. So football season is almost here, man. Yeah, it's really exciting that football is right around the corner. Obviously, uh, week two of the preseason is is underway. Cleveland, uh, the Browns are set for a Monday night game against the Giants. Uh, The Browns are actually on ESPN for once, so it's – it's preseason, but uh, they're actually getting a little bit of national play, which is always nice for a Cleveland team to get. Uh, and Chris, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about that Saints victory uh, on the last podcast, the Browns winning 20-14 to 14 over the Saints, Deshaun Kaiser probably being the most standout player uh, on that Browns roster, leading the team back uh, to a victory at the end of that game. Um, a lot of us thought that maybe Deshaun Kaiser would move up in the depth chart and possibly possibly supersede both Cody Kessler and Brock Osweiler because both of them uh, didn't really have the, the kind of showing that Kaiser had in week one in the preseason. Uh, word got out from Hugh Jackson that Osweiler is going to be the starter for, for this preseason game against the Giants, but Kaiser is going to be number two on the depth chart with Kessler finishing in at third. So Chris... Um, not a full-fledged quarterback battle for that number one spot yet because Osweiler is still in the driver's seat. But I think there's already some pressure on him from Kaiser, and and so we're going to open up this podcast with a little bit of debate. Week one for the Browns against the Steelers in the regular season, who should be that number one starter? Should it be Brock Osweiler or Deshaun Kaiser for you? I want to see Kaiser start. Uh, You drafted him for a reason. You want to see him play, and you want to see him play early because you want to know what you got out of him. Uh, Year in, you know, Bob, you and I know the history of the Cleveland Browns, as do our listeners. Uh, It has been a chaotic carousel at quarterback, but the Browns seem to make it more chaotic when they get into situations like these. They spend a Second round pick isn't exactly a premium pick, but it's it's a significant investment on a quarterback. Not quite what they did with Brady Quinn or Johnny Manziel. But then they let those guys, Brady Quinn and Johnny Manziel, just kind of sit behind guys that they knew were already kind of journeyman guys. I'm talking about Brian Hoyer and Derek Anderson. And I know Derek Anderson had a strong 2007 and I know Brian Hoyer looked great for the Browns, but but the book was kind of out on that. I mean, they were journeyman guys. You draft the guy in the first round, I want to see what he can do. And Kaiser was not a first-round pick, I get it. But you draft a guy like Kaiser with a second-round pick with the expectation that he's going to come in and potentially solve the problem. The only way he's going to do that is if he gets on the field and play. In this day and age of the NFL, I, I, I have done a complete 180 over the last 10 years or so uh, about the waiting to play your quarterback. The only time a guy was a true apprentice behind a journeyman quarterback was Carson Palmer to John Kitna. You know, Bob, I mean, Phillip Rivers was sitting because he was sitting behind Drew Brees. Aaron Rodgers was sitting because he was sitting behind Brett Favre. Tom Brady was sitting because he was sitting behind Drew Bledsoe. And Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick. The huge outlier there. But 
I think that we kind of know what Brock Osweiler is. And Deshaun Kaiser, I'm not like, you know, putting him in the Hall of Fame after that first preseason game. But I think he's shown enough that it's like, okay, let's see what he's got. Let's see if he can develop. And I would like to see him on the field week one. Yeah, I I totally get that. And I think if Kaiser is named that week one starter, it's going to be because he earned that role from Hugh Jackson. I don't think he's just going to be named that week one starter because he was in invest a second round pick was invested in him, which um, like you said, is a pretty substantial investment, even though he was the fourth player selected by the Browns and um, the Browns traded down multiple times as well. So they, they had plenty of chances to pick him higher, but they rated some other guys much higher than him that are, that are currently on this roster. Um, I think as this preseason is progressing, uh, Brock Osweiler needs to be that week one starter just be, for the sake of the rest of the guys on that offense. Looking at our wide receiving core, that is just full of second year players led by Corey Coleman, but you know Rashard Higgins, Ricardo Lewis, uh, and then further back on, on that depth chart, Jordan Payton, all drafted last year uh, for the Browns, so they're only in their second year. Kenny Britt is the vet. He's 28 years old, but he's a newcomer to the locker room. They need stability. They need a quarterback that can manage and lead them. I'm looking at a tight end core. Uh, Their most senior player is Randall Telfer, uh, who is a third-year tight end and isn't projected to be the starter. That's David Njoku, who is a project first-round pick uh, tight end taken this year. And then Seth DeValve rounds out that group, who is, again, a a second-year player. And you also have an offensive line that needs a little bit of time to to gel. Uh, you're looking at potential new starters at center, right guard, and right tackle. And even Joel Batonio missed a, a good chunk of, of the year last year. So, you know, offensive line that also needs some leadership at the quarterback position. Brock Osweiler, while he has struggled, uh, he struggled in that first game in the preseason, uh, did not look all that impressive against the Saints. And he, he struggled mightily with the Texans. He has leadership and led a playoff team, a Super Bowl winning team, uh, at times with the Denver Broncos when he replaced Peyton Manning uh, for, for a spell uh, during their Super Bowl run. So I think Osweiler has some leadership potential. I also think, and I don't think this is as big a deal as last year, but you know my my concern last year for Cody Kessler was that he was going to get killed. I, I think Osweiler they don't have as much investment in Brock Osweiler. They can cut him after the end of this season. He's a big, strong guy. Let him take the licks, let him take some hits and let him suffer through getting this young receiver core up to speed, getting the offensive line up to speed and let him get the offense primed for Deshaun Kaiser when Kaiser is ready to be eased into that starting role. I think Osweiler is the pick to be the week one starter, regardless of the performance of Kaiser or Osweiler. Uh, throughout these last three games in the preseason. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and and Osweiler certainly looks like he's going to be the guy. Um, You know, he's getting the first two starts. I think at this point it would be surprising, barring injury, of course, uh, if if things were to get shaken up too much because, uh, you know, you you, you still got to get ready for the season and get in rhythm with the first-team unit. But the the point about Deshaun Kaiser, though, is if he's not on the field – you don't know what you got. And, and what if the situation happens where Deshaun Kaiser doesn't play much this year 
and Brock Osweiler plays okay. And so then Osweiler's off your team next year. Now you're faced with the decision, you know, do you give Kaiser the reins to the offense next year or do you draft a quarterback? If you play Kaiser this year, you have a little more information to maybe know whether or not you have the guy in your system right now. And I know you don't want to keep throwing resources at the quarterback position, but when you are quarterback starved like Cleveland is, you've got to know what you got. And that's, I think, the biggest problem I've had with this regime is that they invested so much in the quarterback position, but there are so many wasted picks because they simply don't play these guys that they draft, namely Johnny Manziel and Brady Quinn. I, I don't think that they had enough time on the field. Now, you could also argue that maybe they didn't earn enough time on the field, which I, I totally buy because they didn't exactly light the world on fire. And I'm not saying they didn't get an opportunity. I just think that there we've seen this kind of odd situation too many times where you draft a guy that you feel excited about. You know, Deshaun Kaiser went in the second round, but a lot of guys thought he might go in the first. He's got He's got the kind of, you know, NFL kind of quarterback body and quarterback skill set so he certainly is a guy that the Browns are looking to to solve this problem I would let him solve the problem from week one try to get him on the field get him reps and see what he can do in game so that way at least you know what you've gotten to Sean Kaiser and you can make an appropriate evaluation on this team and the quarterback position heading into the offseason yeah I definitely get that and like I said if they go that route I think I'd be okay with it because then Kaiser would have take earned that that starting role. Um, but let's not forget, you know, Osweiler is not Trent Dilfer. He's not Josh McCown. He's a 27 year old, six foot seven, 240 pound quarterback that uh, was the most valued free agent quarterback in last last off season. Um, there's still there's still the chance for potential there. I, I think Osweiler has one last shot to to prove his potential. Why not see what you have? I I don't think the Browns, whether they go Kaiser or Osweiler in week one, A, are, are going to make the playoffs regardless of that decision. There's just too much youth on this team. Uh, certainly they need to be better than a 1-15 team as they were last year. And then B, I, I don't think that if Osweiler is named that week one starter, I don't think that means we're not going to see Kaiser start some games this year. I, I, I do think that's going to happen uh, just based off of that week one preseason performance, if he continues that that route, I think we're going to see Kaiser start. I just think week one, Osweiler seems like the the, the better pick, and, and Kaiser, everything they've done with him has been about easing him into the role of the starting franchise quarterback. I don't. I, I think that means that week one this year he he's not going to be the starter because they just want to. They want to lower the expectations for him and take the weight off of being not only the franchise quarterback, but being a serviceable quarterback for the Browns, which uh, I think adds a little bit more pressure just because we've had such a graveyard of quarterbacks in the past. So here's the money question. Monday night, Kaiser lights it up. Osweiler struggles. Did Deshaun force the organization's hand? I mean, can he play his way into this job? and play his way into a, a week three start. Because I, I think whoever starts the week three game is going to be the starter. It's likely going to be Osweiler, but I do think there is enough time for Kaiser to make up ground if he really shines on Monday night. But do you think that that could happen, even if Deshaun Kaiser like drastically outplays the other two quarterbacks? 
Yeah, I mean, if Brock puts in another 6-14, and 42-yard outing and Kaiser goes 11-18 for 184 yards and, and a touchdown, yeah, I think you have to consider starting in Week 3. I don't think that that is a surefire thing that he would then be named the Week 3 starter and the subsequent Week 1 starter. But if if he, if the same performances are turned in uh, on week two of the preseason as we're in week one of the preseason, I think the conversation is wide open. And uh, that's Kaiser has put all the pressure that he possibly can on the Browns organization. I think if Osweiler looks serviceable, regardless of what Kaiser does, I, I think that means Osweiler is going to be that week three preseason starter and the regular season starter. But if Kaiser puts in a performance and Osweiler struggles again, I think the door's wide open. Yeah, I think the big difference would be this week, Kaiser will be doing it against the second stringers, more and more guys who will be on an NFL roster. The, the performance against the Saints was certainly strong, but when you get that far down onto the depth chart in the preseason, you are doing it against a couple guys who are probably not going to be in the NFL when this process is done. So um, certainly a good first start, but... I do think the the week two game would be a bigger impact because it is coming against at least the backup unit guys who are in the NFL, and and I think that whoever gets the start in week three preseason, barring an injury, so like if Osweiler gets hurt or something and is out because of an injury, that changes. But if if both quarterbacks come out of this healthy, I think whoever gets the week three start is going to be the week one starter, in in the regular yeah. season. Yeah, uh, agreed. I, I think that is the smart way to do it. I think they're they're being very cautious with this quarterback uh, decision, and and I like that because I I think a lot of times these Browns feel pressured to to go one way or the other. I I, I think that they are just sticking to their to their um, philosophy and are are reacting accordingly. Aren't aren't uh, panicking when when something different happens. No, I, I like the way Hugh Jackson's handling it. I, I, I think that he is giving Kaiser a fair chance, but I also think that he's, you know, being very pragmatic about it. He, he's trying to bring the rookie along at his pl- pace, but it'll be tough if, if Kaiser turns in a great performance on Monday to, to look away. And, and, you know, if, if he's the best guy on the roster and gives you the best chance to win, uh, I think he will start week one. Now, he's going to have to earn that, but. I would love it if Kaiser were to outplay these guys because he's the guy that is has the potential. The other two guys, we kind of know what's up. He's the guy who has the upside. He's the guy who has the potential. If he shows that this early, that is a very encouraging sign for this team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would be all for that if he legitimately beats out Kessler and Osweiler. That would be fantastic. Well, uh, Monday night football, it's not uh, – of the same importance as is regular season Monday Night Football, it'd still be nice to to hear John Gruden tell me how much he loves every single player on the Browns roster. Guy is super positive about everything, so it'll be a good pick me up before the reality sets in for the Browns. Um, I'll definitely check out at least a little bit of that ESPN game. Um, but turning now from Cleveland Browns, we're going to stop in with our favorite topic, topic Chris, uh, some Kyrie Irving trade rumors and whatnot couple stories coming out you know possibly LeBron requested that Kyrie be traded before Kyrie requested that he be traded uh, or Kyrie requested he was traded because he thought LeBron wanted him to be traded who knows but um, you can feel free to address any of those rumors but I guess Chris the, the main question is uh, 
as more uncertainty grows with whether what the Cavs are going to get for Kyrie Irving, what the reasoning is behind Kyrie's request to be traded out, and the looming free agency of LeBron James, if the Cavs trade Kyrie this year, should they go full rebuild and get a package of young guys and draft picks, or should they go uh, and get some some replacement pieces that can uh, help LeBron go to a fourth straight NBA Finals with these Cavs? Uh, wh- which route do you think the Cavs should go? This is a very tough question. It's kind of an agonizing question. It's getting the feel of 2010 all over again, to tell you the truth. Um, and it's it's frustrating that there is just I don't know how to describe it with LeBron James but this this sense that there's always kind of uh, uncertainty around him with whoever he's with he did it to Cleveland the first time did it to Miami and now it's kind of happening again this has the same feel to the last years he was with the Heat and the first time around with the Cavs and I don't like it you know, cause this is this is the most uncertain I've been about LeBron's future. I thought when he came back to Cleveland, the way he came back, there was no way he was leaving again. And, and now, now I'm not as sure. I, I I don't know what the Cavs should do. On one hand, do you try to rebuild? Because you, if LeBron leaves and you trade Kyrie to try and win with LeBron, you you are you're gonna be bad for a long time. I mean, they have traded a ton of first round picks. Uh, I think they have more protections on them than the ones the Brooklyn Nets traded. But still, you've traded a ton of first-round picks. It's not going to be easy to rebuild this thing unless you get some assets back. On the flip side, you could argue that this might be the best chance to win another championship ever. I'm not talking about rebuilding or anything. I'm talking about ever. The Cavs may never be in this position again. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that. Just look at what had to happen for Cleveland to win its one title in basketball. The best player since Michael Jordan had to be born in Ohio. So so not only did the best player from Michael Jordan just have to exist, he had to be born in Ohio. The Cavs had to win the number one pick, win the lottery the year he was eligible so, just add all those odds up and, and crunch it down. Then, that player had to leave, and you had to win the lottery three out of four years with the seventh best odds as your best chance to win. That was the best pick that won. And they turned those three number one picks into Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love because they traded Wiggins and uh, Bennett for Kevin Love. That, that's what had to happen for that first championship. I, I'm not a calculus, Professor Bob, but I'm willing to bet that the odds of all of that happening are in the trillions. So if I'm going to do the math and project the future of the Cleveland Cavaliers post-LeBron James, I see a lot of never winning a championship in their future ever again. So if I'm the Cavs, go for it now. Because as long as LeBron's on your team, you got a shot. And I have no idea when this kind of thing is going to happen again because in order to win in the NBA, you have to have a legit superstar. And the reality is Cleveland is not an attractive market for NBA players. You may never get another guy like this again. Yeah, I I don't see how the Cavs could look like a legitimate franchise and trade Kyrie for 
young prospects and draft picks while LeBron is still on this roster. Um, the only way I see that happening is if, like Paul George earlier in the offseason, everybody knows that LeBron is leaving. Now, there are a lot of rumors right now that LeBron is leaving, but nobody really knows. And that is probably the most frustrating part about all of this because really one easy conversation between Dan Gilbert management and LeBron can really give the Cavs some clarity on this situation. Are you staying or are you going? And that that is either yes or no. I mean, just, just tell us and, and we can move accordingly with Kyrie. Now, I understand why LeBron plays it close to the chest, but just like 2010, he is doing his franchise, his hometown franchise, a huge disservice by keeping his decision in the dark, especially since the Cavs... Uh, I still think that they were kind of blindsided by at least the public awareness of Kyrie's trade requests. I don't think they're expecting this rumor machine to, to churn out weekly reports on, on what the Cavs are gauging interest from Kyrie. Now, whether that is reasonable that they could keep it a secret or how much they knew before the announcement was made, who knows? But um, I, I just think that if, the Cavs needed need LeBron to to, to to tell them what to do, and then they can act accordingly. I, if they don't know, then they have to try and win him over by breaking Kyrie Irving into proven vets that, that can help LeBron win another title, and maybe that convinces him to stay. Maybe it brings in some guys that he's close with, looking at Eric Bledsoe, and, and, and that satisfies him. But you know, LeBron has always held the Cavs hostage to his pending off-season decisions and, and this is no different uh the Cavs have to go all in again and, and get guys that can help LeBron win because they would look foolish uh and they would be the ones to blame uh if they trade Kyrie for draft picks and and, and projects and, and then LeBron walks in the off-season he'll he'll direct he'll point his finger directly at that trade and say this is where I'm going I'm here to win championships it's all on you Cleveland and and not take any blame for it where in reality it's just his keeping us in the dark it is really limiting our, our options and our clarity on what to do yeah the bottom line is the Cavs are in a zero win scenario unless they win a championship this year uh, they they cannot win yes. this unless they win the title because if they win the title and LeBron leaves it's like okay we got two out of four whatever there's still good vibes and if they win a title LeBron probably doesn't leave at least I would think he would stay I mean you're on a championship team what better shot to win a championship but it's tough because what if 2010 happens again what if you do everything you can to win and then the guy you need to perform to win all of a sudden just kind of I don't want to say he quit but he certainly wasn't right in that series against Boston yeah and, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm most afraid of. If you trade Kyrie for all these vets to try to win now, what if, I mean, what if he really does want to leave and he doesn't want to win a championship because then it's more, you know, he'd be the bad guy. And so I, I just hate all these, all of this frustration. Because like you said, it's just one conversation. Like, why why can't they have it? And if you believe the rumors Cavs management's been trying to get an answer out of LeBron James, and, and I don't—I have no doubt that they've been trying to get an answer out of LeBron James. That's only the smart thing to do. I, I don't—I just don't know what. If I was in the Cavs position, I have no idea what to do if I'm being kept in the dark. 
Because can you trust this guy to win you a championship? I think that's the biggest question. Can you trust him to win you a championship after what happened in 2010? And this is feeling like 2010 all over again. And I just don't know. I mean, I would not blame the Cavs if they said, you know what, we got to get what we can because we've got to hedge our bets. And yeah, I, I don't know. Oh. It, it's infuriating that they're in this position. It's infuriating because yeah. they shouldn't be. None of this should be happening right now. They are clearly the best team in the East when they're all on all cylinders. And they're clearly the second best team in the NBA when they're on all cylinders. There is no excuse This is a championship-level team. If you're not happy here, stop playing basketball. Seriously, just stop playing basketball. If this is not fun or happy or whatever, just stop playing. It's it's so frustrating. Oh, it's it's definitely frustrating, and and yeah, they they should not be. This should not be a discussion right now. A team that has made three straight NBA Finals, they should be uh, one cohesive unit and and gearing up for another title chase and, and we're talking about all these rumors and drama of, of next year it's it's completely infuriating you're you're totally right I think you said it best though I mean what are the odds that Cleveland is going to be in this position again in 2017 2018 I don't think even if LeBron's m- mind is made up right now that he's leaving that if he is in a position to win another title this year with the Cavs based off of the move that Kyrie made or that the Kyrie trade, uh, the assets that, that Kyrie uh, returned for them. I don't think he's going to quit. I think he knows that his, his window is closing. He, his legacy needs more rings. If he wants to be the number one guy, I don't think he's going to quit this time. I I think he's going to go through and try and win that second title. And like you said, if he wins two out of four titles in four years with Cleveland, I think most people would be more amicable with him leaving. So I really do think the Cavs only have one course at, at, at this point, and that is to go all in and try and win another title with LeBron and turn Kyrie into some tangible assets for, for this year. Um, maybe behind closed doors, they have a better understanding of what LeBron's going to do, and they're going to try and get a combo of a vet plus some young projects because they, they understand that he's walking, but I think they have one clear decision that is to go all in on the vets because uh, I don't know if it's one in a trillion, like you said, but the odds are very stacked against Cleveland to ever be uh, in this situation again. Yeah, not to harp on the odds too much, but just look at what happened to happen for Oklahoma City to get what it got, and they still didn't win a title. Heck, look what had to happen for Golden State to do what it's doing. I mean, but those are some extreme odds, and I'm not trying to discredit what the front office did, but there aren't a lot of superstars in the NBA by nature. And for you to get a hold of three of, of two or more is a rare feat, especially when you're competing with big market franchises like LA and Boston who are who are just able to reload almost every five years because of their market. And I just think that if you're a team like Cleveland, you have got to look at this as, as possibly your last chance ever to win a championship. And I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but for all of this to go this right again for Cleveland, I don't like those odds. Yeah, certainly. Well, I don't think that this uh, story is going to go away anytime soon. Even once the Kyrie deal is, is made, we're still going to be talking about LeBron free agency 2018. So 
uh, get used to us talking about this story. We will come back to it multiple times and, and keep you updated on the more tangible, insane rumors that we hear about it. Let's, Chris, let's turn to some real sports that are being played right now. The Indians going off on a 5-2 and two run in the previous week, taking two out of three from both their division rivals, the Twins and the Royals, giving them some much-needed space in, in the top of, of the American League Central, a five-game lead over the Twins, a six-and-a-half-game lead over the Royals as of today. Chris, a, a great week for the Tribe, wouldn't you say? Yeah, let's talk about some odds I do like, and that's the Cleveland Indians. Um, I think we structured this podcast a little backwards, Bob. We're saving the best for last, though. Uh, Fantastic week. This is exactly what they needed to do. Take the series against the teams that are trying to catch you. It was four and five and a half prior to going into Minnesota, excuse me. And now it's five and a half, or excuse me, five and six and a half. And, And you took one from Boston, who is probably going to be your first round opponent because they are five up on the Yankees but don't look now the Astros are only five and five and the Red Sox are about five games behind them for that number one seed so it's not a given that Houston is going to be that number one seed anymore even though they are well ahead in the division they've been sliding just a little bit so things could get interesting here in the American League but excellent news to see the Indians take it to three playoff caliber teams or at least three teams who are in the playoff hunt and 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 starting to take control of this division you know you're looking at August 20th about six weeks left in the season you got a five game lead on your division uh that those are numbers that you can feel very good about I think at this point it's 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 very fair to say that the tribe should win the AL Central, and especially with the deep rotation that they have. I think at this point, I would be very disappointed if the Indians don't close the deal. Yeah, as would I. Yeah, I mean, Houston at one point was so far ahead of everyone in the major leagues with their record, especially in that first half. The second half, they definitely have cooled off, uh, and the Dodgers uh, have been red hot in the second half and now have the best record in the majors by a long shot, 11 games ahead of the Astros for that number two spot. Uh, in terms of overall standings in the MLB. So, yeah, Houston cooling off a little bit. I don't think the Indians can really catch up to them and get that home field advantage that they had last year in the postseason, but I think it's it, it's certainly possible that they catch up to Boston only three games behind them for that number two spot and, and a home field advantage for, for the first round. So, yeah, AL Central well in, in grass for them in a fantastic week. Um, some good news all around for the Indians. Guys getting healthy. Jason Kipnis hit a couple home runs this week. Uh, Corey Kluber left his start against Kansas City due, due to a right ankle sprain. Looks like uh, he'll be back for his next start. It might be pushed back a couple days, but definitely not going to the DL. Andrew Miller relieved Corey Kluber for his first uh, appearance since landing on the DL as well, and he looked really good. Uh, Lonnie Chisenhall progressing, and Jay Bruce is just mashing. Uh, Good news all around for the Indians, wouldn't you say? Fantastic news all around. First, getting Andrew Miller back, a must. Jay Bruce could be the best trade of the trade deadline. He's got 32 home runs on the year. He's hit at least three or four of them with the Cleveland Indians. One more point about the Dodgers. I, I say this almost every week, but the Colorado Rockies have a 68-55 and 55 record. That is one loss more than the Cleveland Indians. They are 19 and a half games back of their division. 
That is insane. They have the third best record in the National League, and they are 19 and a half games back in their division. I'm betting Colorado wishes it was in Missouri right now, so it could play in the NL Central because uh, they'd be winning that that one, but only by two games. The Cubs are starting to turn things around. But but back to the Indians. Yes, it is certainly encouraging to see Jason Kipnis shake off the rust. Andrew Miller back on the mound and. Corey Kluber looks like he's avoided what was kind of a scare in his last start. So uh, things things are starting to come together for Cleveland. Um, and now we just need to get Michael Brantley back. And and word is he he seems to be doing all right, but but still going to take some time to get back. That that injury is still pretty fresh. Yeah, definitely. Well, the road doesn't get uh, a whole lot easier. Uh, you know, we've talked about their their, their second half uh, of August and how rough that is. Four games against Boston this week. Three against Kansas City and then three at New York to, to end August. So still playing some quality playoff teams and, and opposition. Uh, but if last week is any indication, they're certainly up for that challenge uh, and, and, and look to be uh, the clear favorite to win that American League Central. So great news for them. No, certainly. I mean, like I said, anytime – look, when you're in a race, you just keep the opponent at bay, take the series. They got Kansas City around the corner. They've got – Four against Boston, three against New York. Look, split with Boston, two out of three from Kansas City, two out of three from New York. Just keep winning series, and you'll keep people at bay. That's all they really need to do, and they have the pitching to do it. The last thing you want to see is the dreaded goose egg. You do not want to give these teams life, especially Kansas City, because that is how a five-game lead, or in Kansas City's case, six-and-a-half-game lead, turns into a division race. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, kind of a light week, uh, but like we like we, we started with, uh, football is right around the corner, so we're going to get some, some heavy weeks uh, soon, and, and we'll definitely talk a lot of football in these upcoming podcasts. But, Chris, let's move on to your fake headline. What do you got? I'm going to wake up on Tuesday and see Deshaun Kaiser, 158.3. That is a perfect <laughs> passer rating. I would love nothing more than for him to tear it up on Monday Night Football and put the pressure on the Browns to make him the starter because not not just because I want him to start, but because I want the guy that they've tabbed to be the future to look like the future. I just want that for once to the Browns to have a guy who has a high ceiling start to live up to it, and and it would be fantastic. Uh, so that's that's my fake headline. Yeah, I, hey, I would love that. Uh... I don't think many Browns quarterbacks have posted a perfect rating uh, in any game. So for for even for Kaiser to do it on uh, week two of the preseason, that would be great and would be fantastic news for the future of the Browns. Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, uh, four game series against Boston, man. Uh, I want to hear about a sweep and, and the Indians taking a second best record uh, in the MLB once that series wraps up on Thursday. Now that would be fantastic. I'm actually going to the game on Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe just one kind of alternate sub fake headline. I really hope that Thursday Chris Sale is starting. I hope the Indians rock him again. <laughs> uh, it kind of opens up the door for Corey Kluber in that Cy Young race. Uh, I, I've been reading talk about Chris Sale getting MVP and Cy Young. I think that's just ridiculous considering 
I, I don't even think he's the clear-cut Cy Young winner at this point. Yeah, it's a, rid- a little ridiculous. Uh, I, look, I have an extreme view. I, I, I think the pitcher's MVP is the Cy Young Award. I think the MVP should be reserved for everyday players. I know people argue with me on that, but um, I don't think Sale's done enough to warrant MVP consideration but I definitely think he'll be right in the thick of the Cy Young race and you're right that game against Boston the 12 to 10 loss when Sale got knocked around by Cleveland opened the door a little bit for other pitchers I mean the American League is loaded with aces so if Sale finishes if he has a rocky finish Corey Kluber definitely could take that award from him yeah Corey Kluber is a strong finisher yes he is man all right the guy the guy's a machine he's the clue bot man yeah, he gets better and better as the year goes on. <laughs> all right, man. It's because of all those software updates. He just keeps getting software <laughs> updates. That's all that happens. But anyway, man, thank you all for listening to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. You can check out all our old podcasts at FenleyRoadSports.com and subscribe via iTunes using the upper the icon in the upper right hand corner or you can search Fenley Road Sports on iTunes and click Clee Talk. It's just that simple. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, Fenley Road Sports and we thank you for your support. Please come back next week. We are going to football right around the corner. College football kicks off Labor Day weekend. The Browns just after that so a lot of football in the coming weeks and of course more Tribe news because it is a great time to be a Cleveland Indians fan. Uh, Like I said, I'll be at the game on Wednesday, so hopefully Bob's fake headline will become a reality and they will sweep the Bo Sox. But until then, go Tribe, go Browns. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Tribe. Take it easy, Bob.